0: Three, two, one. No, zero.
1: Listeners, and welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch, and we're here with the final few interviews of 2013. I do apologize for the long delay. Um, We had a bit of a computer crash, hard drive meltdown, informational data implosion. Uh, So there had to be some data recovery. There had to be a switch of computers. There had to be a general relearning curve as programs were reacquired. So I apologize for the delay, but we are back on our feet. And this one's probably the longest time coming. Uh, this is a interview with some of the Klang addicts. Um, sort of an interesting potpourri of uh, individuals who uh, are a mix of historical reenactors, fight choreographers, actors, cosplayers, and Ren Faire enthusiasts. I'm going to let previous guest Mr. Ron Daniels, talk a little more about them before we jump on in. So, here we go.
2: Building on the... Uh... Interviews that we did um, a while ago uh, when we talked about me uh, playing King Arthur at N.J. Renfair and all the costuming I had done uh, for Eighth Doctor and so forth. Um, I thought the N.J. Renfair thing was one and done, and I had a great time doing it. I ended up with an amazing cast of fighting actors, and we had a couple of newspaper articles uh, written, and every single picture in the newspaper articles, um, and most of the pictures that you saw on the websites related to the articles all involved my fighters, so we got some attention. And Mm. then I got approached by an old friend of mine who now works for a convention company, and um, asked if we were available to do an original script show at an upcoming convention. So we back and forth a little bit, and I brought it to the group because we still had a uh, a private uh, website set up where we could communicate, and everybody jumped on board. I mean, almost exactly to a man, the full fighting cast wanted in. Mm-hmm. So we wrote a script. Um, I worked with them to make sure that everybody's dialogue was natural and comfortable, but at the same time kept all the salient plot points. So that way, everything made sense. We got an order to things. We got our fights worked out. And uh, then we started rehearsing. We started writing fights and fine-tuning. And then as that happened, the characters started to evolve more than just what was on the page. And I told everybody, I said, look, costume and character go together. The character is in the costume, Mm -hmm. you know, the Boba Fett so even if our characters are just sitting there on stage staring straight out, the costume has to communicate something of the character. So they all took it home. Uh, they all thought about it. And we had, uh, uh, we had let's see, uh, we had an insane jester assassin. Uh, we had an Amazon warrior, we had a Roman gladiator, Uh, we had a space captain and his plucky sidekick, we had a steampunk esque space pirate, just to name a few. I mean we had a lot of different character designs in there Uh, and we also had a couple of non-fighting characters in the form of a sorceress and a succubus. Um, Uh I'm I'm skipping a few. but hopefully we'll be able to get to uh, them individually in the interviews." And I told them, I said, look, you know, the costuming is just as important because we're going to be advertising the show during the day at the convention, walking around in character, in costume. So, you know, the principles that I talked about, make it comfortable, make it wearable, make sure you can move in it, make sure you can fight in it. And some of them had their costumes in no time flat. I mean, the, the, the creativeness, and the intelligence that went into this was just amazing some of the costumes were a hell of a lot more involved um, one of the uh, guys that hopefully you'll be able to talk to uh, during the interviews uh, a guy named Michael Degner very into fight history, very into specifically the Landsknecht uh, which were uh, the, uh, the German mercenary soldiers that were greatly feared he created an exact perfect historically accurate Lance connect uniform hmm. and fought period accurate in all his moves in his full costume and you know it it was really amazing to see all this stuff come together cuz the the whole idea of it the show is called gaming grid okay and people brought cosplay experience to it they brought their acting experience to it and the idea was one all-powerful immortal has brought together a dozen fighters for his secret purposes from all over time and space. Mm-hmm. So we had a wide cast, we had a range of what to do. Now, being the, the director, I, I kind of defaulted to being the boss fight, and my own character being that particular immortal called Tempros. Um, I decided to keep the costume simple, but kind of go for almost a Mortal Kombat edge to it. Um, the costume was, um, uh, suede, uh, um, knee-high cavalier boots, uh, with a point, um, a pair of, uh, essentially, um, remade, uh, yoga pants that, uh, are, uh, sold at, uh, the Renaissance festivals. They're based on yoga pants, but they're actually made of a much more durable, uh, cotton blend. Very comfortable, very simple. Um four-inch-wide leather belt with a double buckle on the front just to give it that masculine edge. And then the, uh, the top is actually a piece of costume history that I own, which is the centaur uh, cross-fronted vest that was used in Hercules and Xena and also showed up on one of the uh, background people several times in the first Mortal Kombat movie. Hmm. that with a pair of black gloves, poof. Quick, simple, easy costume, but it also conveys the character. Um, so, here I am sitting center stage occasionally uh, interacting with the characters during the show, and then coming out as the boss fight, and made sure that my costume would allow for comfort movement etc and Thankfully, since we were doing the convention inside here in New Jersey in February, and we had a sufficient amount of audience to keep the room hot, the fact that my vest was open topped, my pants were very lightweight, and everything. Uh, even under the hot stage lights, I stayed comfortable. I was never cold. Um, So that worked out very well. But surrounded by this wide cast of costumed characters, uh, it just made for a great deal of visual interest. And also during the days, everybody wandered around as their characters. Um, Because the costumes were so thought out and so well put together, they did get a lot of interest. People coming up to them, you know, what are you? And they'd respond to them in character and in-character advertise the show so we could get audience in.
1: Hmm. How many people are in the group?
2: Oh, God. Um... You remember how in Fight Club, that one particular monologue, I'm seeing a lot of new faces! Well, I've kind of lost track, because it seems like every time you turn around, someone wants to add another friend of theirs that thinks they qualified. And I don't mind the group growing because the more people in, the more fun we can have. But um, I'm starting to lose track. I think there's somewhere between 18 and 24 of us now. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, outside of the, the show you
1: mounted, do you, do you guys do other shows or uh, I don't know. I mean, like what, what else,
2: what other presence do you have? Um, as The group, and the group, by the way, is called The Clang Addicts. Uh, We have a Facebook fan page up that you can find pretty easy. Um, uh, The Clang Addicts so far have only officially done two shows, which was the uh, Jersey Renaissance Festival. And uh, as The Clang Addicts, as our first title gig, we recently just did Wicked Fair. Mm -hmm. Um, We are working on landing other gigs. We've been given a few offers that I'm looking into right now uh... to see how to time out rehearsal um, you know we because we do choreographed live weapon full-speed fights we need a safety margin of like three months at least because we only rehearse on weekends Mm -hmm almost everybody's got real jobs, well, yeah, everybody's got real jobs, so everybody's busy during the week, and those of us uh, also that um, you know have families or have second jobs or other things usually aren't available at night or exhausted by night time. Mm-hmm. So the only real time we can all get together is one or two days out of the weekend. And doing so under the conditions that we did for Wicked, we did the impossible, because when we were going to originally start rehearsing was when hurricane sandy came through Oh, hurricane sandy put us so far behind i mean we started six weeks to two months worth of time completely behind schedule Um, the the scripts were out in people's hands but really there's only so much that you can do off by yourself reading and rereading the script to get ideas Really, a lot of it evolves as you rehearse and interact, yes uh, and also bounce ideas off of other people so finally, after a whole lot of struggling and uh just trying to scramble to get things together, uh, we managed to land rehearsal space, we managed to start getting a schedule in and during rehearsals, we had two major snowstorms that li- that basically made New Jersey a dangerous place to travel through and You know, bless every single one of the people in my cast, we braved everything possible and got together as much as possible and pulled it off. The show got standing ovations both times.
1: Greetings listeners, we're back with Costume Station Zero, and I'm here with the actual Clang addicts, Mike Degner, Alicia McAteer, and Jiro Kalis. Guys, welcome.
0: Hi. Hello. Hello.
1: So, I like to start at the beginning. Uh, what got you into the general hobby of cosplay, and uh, what got you started?
0: Uh, this is Mike. I actually, um, about 20 years ago, went to Renfair as a patron and thought, I really got to get into this. Then I saw the price tags on the costumes and decided, yeah, I got to learn how to sew.
1: <laughs> Understood.
3: When I, was, when I was 10, I took a home ec class and fell in love with sewing. And I made my parents buy me a sewing machine. And I always just did random little projects. And then when I was 14, I discovered the Renaissance Fair as well and said, that's it. I'm making my own stuff.
0: I horribly flunked Holmack.
4: <laughs> I can't sew at all. They're to me, and I'm failing
3: miserably. He's, He's not trying. There. He's doing pretty good.
1: Okay. Um, so what? So it sounds like Renfair was a common theme for you guys.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah, pretty
0: much.
1: And how long have you been doing that?
0: Uh, for me, this uh, my twenty-first year.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh,
5: yeah,
4: <laughs> nine years. I retired after fourteen.
1: <laughs> okay, retire. All right. So, um, I mean, look, I've I've personally been to the Ren Fair several times, but I've never cosplayed or or costumed at the Ren Fair. Now, do you guys do other costuming, say at you know conventions or you know other characters outside of this?
0: Uh, I'm starting to get into steampunk,
1: but I haven't really done
0: much of the cosplay mm-hmm. aspect yet. um mm-hmm. Always found it interesting. It's just personally timing issues. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> I've done a lot. I used to do Rocky Horror years ago, and I done. I went to one or two of the the Rocky Horror shows, not the movie, in um, in full costume. But beyond that, it's most. I've just mostly done run fairs.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Same
3: here. Mostly run fair. Um, an occasional random costume every now and then. Um, and also getting into the steampunk aspect of things.
1: Did you all have a, a, a heavy interest, um, or background in doing Halloween costumes that was sort of the gateway drug or no?
0: Uh, for me actually, yeah, I started out, geez, uh, doing Halloween makeup ever since I was a little kid. Uh, I used to do special effects makeup for this Halloween show at the old Jersey Renaissance festival. For years that's how I got got into that aspect yeah
3: uh, I've always loved Halloween I've, I've always you know if not made costumes from scratch put them together from from different pieces um, to just to create something um, you know and I also have a website where I do mostly Renaissance inspired stuff but a few other random Halloween costumes on there too.
4: My grandparents used to make my costumes, I'll be honest with you.
1: No, it's fine, but I mean, I guess I'm just interested to know uh, what what started people, and also, um, well, in particular, what was your first costume? What do you consider your first costume?
3: Oh,
4: boy. Uh, first thing I ever made myself was a Two-Face costume when the one Batman movie came out.
1: Okay, yeah, the Tommy Lee Jones?
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. that an awful movie. <laughs> I went. Me and a friend went to the cost uh, to the movie in costume. I went as Two Face. He went as the Riddler. Like, we made our costumes. Like, I t- ripped two suits apart and stitched them back together. But as close as I've come.
0: Uh, for myself, my first costume that I can like first makeup thing I did for co- Halloween. uh Jeez, I, I was a zombie pretty early on. <laughs> uh, it was when they first started selling like the, the, the Halloween makeups at Toys R Us. And I'm like, I, I had seen Star Wars when it first came out and my mom explained to me that this was fake and people made it and I was just amazed. So when I actually got my hands on some of the makeup, I just started making zombies and aliens and things like that.
1: <laughs> awesome.
3: I honestly, I honestly don't remember. I think I probably made um, things like capes and, and bodices and things like that that are you know, Renaissance fair related. It's probably my first full project. Um, otherwise, when I first started sewing, it was more of sewing little knickknacks and things for the house. Because I was, you know, 10, so I couldn't exactly put an entire outfit
1: together. <laughs> no, fair point. Um, well, you know, a lot of people like to also cobble together, you know, what's in the closet or in the thrift store or whatnot. People start at different ways, different ages and such. Um, so diving into Ren because uh, again, this is actually an area that I've been to, I admire it, but I've never actually participated myself, so I'm actually very curious, what Uh, what's the attraction Uh, is it the character creation or are you doing actual historical characters that you're recreating or is it just the the vibe the atmosphere the camaraderie
0: a little bit of each Um, different I go to different run fairs for different aspects Uh, like my home fair in Jersey has always for me been the acting and stage combat aspect Uh, I go to other fairs and different costumes to do different things. I'm into the history. I'm into uh, pretending to be somebody else. Uh, you know, whether I'm a patron or an employee, I always try to interact with the with the customers that are around. Um, yeah, basically, a little column a, a, little column B. <laughs>
3: yeah, it really depends on the fair. Like the New York fair is very shopping oriented built around some shows, but the Jersey Fair was much more show-oriented without much shopping. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always just liked looking into history at the different kinds of costumes and then either trying to recreate it or, um, you know, take little bits and pieces from different costumes and parts of time and putting them together.
4: I just like the atmosphere myself. Costuming was whoever handed me what, and I put it on.
1: Well, you know, again, it takes it, it takes all the different aspects. I like to collect it all, so it's all good. Um, do you find that... Um, let me back up. Do you have a favorite material you like to work with?
0: Uh, I like using natural, natural uh, stuff. Linen, wool, uh, sometimes velvet. But, yeah, wearing polyester is murder when you're out in the hot sun Mm. running around all day. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, polyester, bad. Very bad. Um, I try to stick with mostly cotton, but, you know, for some of the more ornate things, it's hard to find um, natural brocades and things like that. Sometimes you got to suck it up and use polyester. But for the most part, cotton, linen will... I don't think Jiro has a response for this one because he's sewn one thing in his life <laughs> last week.
1: <laughs> or maybe what's what's the uh, favorite material that you like to actually wear?
4: I know nothing about
1: material.
3: Jiro <laughs> kno- knows that he does not like to sew satin. Oh, yeah, I hate sewing
0: satin. Yeah, satin is evil, evil to work with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what has been your favorite Ren fair then to attend?
0: Maryland. Maryland has been a very good fair. It's a pretty good balance of size, shopping, performance. Uh, side entertainment.
4: Side entertainment,
0: food. Personally, my my favorite, favorite of all time is uh, the Jersey Ren Fair back when we had our own land because that was a really good blend of, you know. For me, I, I, I'm more of the... Performer type, so that that fair fit that bill nicely. Mm-hmm.
3: And I love the New York fair; it's my home fair. But I also really enjoy uh, King Richard's fair in Massachusetts. Um, the atmosphere is really nice because just the way they built everything into the woods, um, it makes it feel more real almost. It's not like it's just in a field that's been cleared out.
1: No, sure. Um,
3: you know, and there's a lot of they built the shops into the trees and. Um, it's just a really nice atmosphere, and they have all the uh, um, shows, <clears throat> shows and stuff as well. So that was a, that's a good
1: one. I tried to give a moment for all three to speak, but is okay. I can. I, oh, can. I went
4: first. I said Marilyn. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> New York is my home fair, but the corporation killed it for me. That's why I left.
1: <laughs> so, what exactly do you feel makes up a great Ren Fair?
3: Uh, Ah, Beer. Beer is good. (laughs) Uh, I think it has to be a combination of letting the corporation run the, let, let the booth run themselves and it not be such a corporate, oh, you have to cover this up, you can't do this. You know, make it authentic, but don't make people cover up, you know, if they have a tattoo, they have a tattoo. If they've got a piercing, they've got a piercing. Don't want to wear converse or sneakers, but let them be themselves just in costume, as well as having a proper balance between shows and shopping and general not douchey people, I, I guess. <laughs> some place, you know, Some fairs are just full of people that are just go there to show off and
5: mm.
3: and uh, they're not there to be nice people <laughs>
5: yeah.
0: Uh. yeah pretty much the same uh, here a good balance between a fair needs to figure out a good balance between like she said the shopping and the performance and again for me I prefer good stage combat which is hard to find at
1: fairs these days <laughs> sure
4: Mm-hmm. as long as it's not a dry fare I can enjoy myself <laughs> be honest there's been very fairs I've been sober at
1: so. understood understood um, do you uh, it sounds like you've uh, each made or worn a, a number of costumes for Renfair do you have a favorite one that you wear often
3: hmm um The one I made last year I I enjoyed very much. Um, It it was actually a borrowed bodice. I didn't make the bodice. But I made a chemise um, out of a really thin gauze material. um, And I made the top of it just really tattered and ragged looking. But at the same time, the the fabric flowed really nicely. So it was kind of ethereal almost. With um, a black... Bodice and uh, I made a kerchief skirt, and I switched the colors all every day. You know, some days I would—it was a green skirt, and some days I would layer it with blue. Other days, gray. Um, sometimes I'd layer all of them, so I could easily switch it up. Um, and then, you know, change the, that my hair accessories—whether I wore a hat or horns or. You know, a big necklace, and it was easy to switch up and make into a different costume every day.
0: Hmm. Uh, so far, my favorite outfit that I've made uh, is the one that I wore at the Wicked Fair for the Clang Addicts. Uh, it's a traditional German outfit called a Waffenrock, uh, worn by the German mercenaries the Landsknechts. It's made of uh, all natural, you know, natural traditional materials—linen, wool, uh, some velvet. It's, I like it because it, you know, very historically accurate, flowed nicely when I moved. I uh, felt comfortable at the Wicked Fair, which happens to fall in the winter time. I guess we'll see how comfortable it is in the summer when that comes
1: around. <laughs> I can relate. Mm -hmm. um do you find um i'm almost thinking i should reserve this before i dive into the clang addicts um with the research that goes into these costumes do you ever find that you have to cheat things um you know actually cheat the historical accuracy for practicality
3: absolutely yes
1: could you give me a good example
3: (laughs) <laughs> there are some things that just, um I'm, try, I'm trying to think of one in particular watching him pleat his rock was murder for me just to watch him do it um, that was we were reading the instructions and we were trying to do little sample pieces of it and we were, I was going, it wasn't even my costume and I was going crazy over trying to figure out how to do it um, otherwise you know, I've done some um colonial war you know coats and things like that and the pleating on them is awful (laughs) um i don't i don't know if i've ever pleated it the same way twice just because they they're just the directions are so terrible and there's no seam allowance allowed and you have to do it just perfectly so that one's definitely something you got to cheat every now and then and just kind of fold it over twice and hope for the best yeah
0: for for me, like she was saying, that the uh, the types of costumes that I make, the 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 Landsknecht garb, there are hundreds and hundreds of woodcuts and paintings and drawings from the period, but there's only three existing garments, so it's really hard to figure out how a lot of the stuff was truly put together. Hmm. So you're looking at the pictures, going, "Oh, that looks really nice. How the hell do I do that?" <laughs> Um, and I'll, with, with this specific type, it's a lot of guess and conjecture um, and a lot of cursing and, and redoing things.
3: Also, yes, Seam refers are your best friend. Yes. I just do what they tell me. <laughs> He's a good listener. <laughs>
1: um, well, I, I find it fascinating that uh, there are three existing garments
0: yes wow uh, They uh, th- a father and two sons that were murdered in their castle by uh, I forget which king um, every other garment from that period either disintegrated or was buried with people or whatever it, it's <laughs> so almost it was,
1: I'm just curious yeah. so how did these three survive exactly?
0: uh the the wife and mother took the, the outfits and put them in in metal boxes in her castle and then they were discovered uh hundreds of years later and oh. put on display uh the upsala cathedral in i think that's in sweden
1: wow wow oh, fascinating um yeah so uh well, in terms of research uh what what do you recommend to people who want to dive in and and uh, sort of get started in terms of pointing to the best sort of at least starting resources
3: amazon dot com <laughs> read all the books yes, and Google is your best friend
1: <laughs> Now I'm wondering for particular titles that you like exactly
0: Oh, oh uh.
3: Janet Arnold.
0: Janet Arnold. Uh, she puts out a series of books. That's where, actually, that's how I got into the whole Lance Connect garb. Uh, her one book, Patterns of Fashion Two, I think two, uh, has those three. She deconstructed those three garments, and I I found that book at the New York Fe- Renaissance Festival almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Looking through it, I'm like, those outfits are amazing, and. So I decided I'm gonna try to figure out how to make them, and I was brand new to sewing. Didn't know what I was doing. Went on, back in those days, it was like message boards and BBSs Mm -hmm. asking for advice, and people like, how long you been doing this? I'm like, "Ah, I just started. I've been sewing for 30 years. I don't wanna make those pants. Good luck, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I eventually figured it out, and I'm about to start, start on a new pair now after my current steampunk outfit for the next con (laughs) Mm -hmm, right Um, but then there was a book uh, by a woman I think it was Carolyn Savoy on how to how to make renaissance garb that was a good book because she explained not only how to make traditional garb but how to take modern patterns and convert them to be passable enough, fair garb.
3: <laughs> I've got one. I can't think of the name of the author. I believe it's called uh, "How to Make Costumes for Stage," or uh, "You Want a Free for Christmas." I don't remember the name of it, but um, it pretty much explains like, okay, this is the historical um, way that this is supposed to be built, but for common purposes now. It'll be a lot easier for you to make it like this, because if you're going to wear it on stage, no, you know, the proper way is going to, you know, fall or, or hang funny, and um, it just kind of said, well, this is the right way, here's how you can do it, but <clears throat> if you need it to work for another reason, here's a better way to do it.
1: I see. That's no. That's that's really useful. So it gives the the look and the feel on stage, but it remains practical enough to obviously, as you say, not fall off your body.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Because obviously these clothes probably weren't designed for that back in the day.
3: Um, it was called historic costumes and how to make them. That's the name of the book. Yeah.
0: Another thing you have to do when you're making uh, like Renaissance garb for performing. A lot of the, you know, the fancy court outfits that you see, the, the tight fitting doublets and dresses, they're really not made to move around in like we do at a festival, especially with the stage combat.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so you, you're, you're making a lot of cheats with those. Like, as a matter of fact, the, the male high end costuming from back in those days, the men had more corsetry than the women in most, for the most part.
1: Really? yeah um, was this because men were p- particularly vain or am I uh, I guess I'm, I'm missing something here because it sounds like that would be even more constrictive
0: yeah it was, yeah, it, it was very constrictive it was, it was a vanity thing um, basically that was a period in history where they were instead of making the clothing for the body they were forcing the body into the clothing ah. and there was a lot of boning in in both men and <clears throat> women's outfits, uh, and the guys were trying to be peacocks. <laughs> so you got you got men who were high class for eating probably like pigs, mm-hmm. but then they're trying to show off and look pretty. So they take three guys, to put them into their doublet.
1: <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. Um. <laughs>
0: so there, there, there's no way you're going to be doing uh sword fighting and something like that so when you're making a modern one you're, you're not doing it the same way as you they would have back then
1: makes you wonder how they actually were sword fighting in it back then or did they or, or, or the, were, were the guys really fighting just wearing different stuff
0: they were wearing different stuff Ah, uh. um if you if you uh, get your hands on any of the actual fighting manuals from back then you'll see them wearing just you know it looks like they were in pajamas <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they did that off to the side they wouldn't do that in their street clothes which is what they were there to show off
1: right right so uh fun- again back to form versus functionality <clears throat> so uh in, uh, in all the years that you guys have been doing uh, Rent for Costuming, what would you consider your best experience in costume? Hmm.
3: Um, I was pretty proud of the costume that I made for... Um, I wasn't actually a part of the Clang Attic show at Wicked Fair. I had a lot of other things I, I needed to do, so I couldn't be at any of the practices. But uh, I was there at the show, so I made a costume for it. And um, I made a Victorian corset, which I had never made before, with a all steel boning and a and a, a front busk opening that I'd never done. Um, so I, I really enjoyed. I you know I took, I believe I took that pattern out of one of the Janet Arnold books, or actually no, it was another book. I believe it was just called Corsets, mm-hmm. um, and I I took it out. It was. You know on a eight and a half by eleven piece of paper and I had to draft it up to the right size um, and then make it fit me um, and I really enjoyed that whole process as tedious as it was at the end you know I was I was very proud of it um, and then the rest of the costume I did another you know a Victorian corset with the uh, Civil War era um, chemise that had a lot of lacy trim which is something that i don't do a lot of and i really want to get more into Mm um you know it's a lot of trims and just a lot of extra fluff um and i i I, I really enjoyed that costume you know everything had trim on it you know the skirt the corset the chemise um and it was a lot of little extra detail but it was very satisfying in the end.
0: For myself, probably both of the Lens Connect outfits I made, the the, the red and blue Boffin Rock that I wore for the Klang uh, addicts, and uh, the one outfit that I made from the Janet Arnold book, uh, I made that one about 15 years ago, I wish I still had it, but um, wear, you know, wearing it out, most, you know, 90% of the people at the fair just look at it and go, oh, that's an interesting outfit or oh, that's pretty cool. But every once in a while, you'll you'll see someone run into somebody that, you know, knows history and they, they go, they look at you and oh, my God, an accurate Lance Connect outfit. Where did you get that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I made it. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, i uh, been trying to whip myself in shape here to, to get the motivation to start making these outfits to try to sell uh, at fairs or cons or whatever, maybe online, but I'm not quite ready yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's it's always a bit of a, a dicey market with costuming, I find, because mm-hmm. there's there's demand, but it's not like, you know, selling T-shirts. It's, uh, right. Uh-huh. Um yeah, I I can I can relate. Um so on the on the other end of the scale, uh do you have um I'm not gonna necessarily say worst experience, but say mishap experience in costume.
3: Don't make a corset completely out of velvet. <laughs> That's a bad idea. <laughs> don't. That's all I'm gonna say, don't do it. <laughs> Working with Velvet to begin with is terrible. When you try to shape it like that, it's just, it's a nightmare. And I don't recommend it to anyone ever.
0: Duly noted. Worst costuming per...
3: Uh, Well, I used to perform
0: in this show called The Mud Show uh, way back at the Renaissance Festival. Basically, it's a show where we get into a big pit of mud and the audience gives us money and tells us what to do. Uh Uh-huh. And I used to make the costumes for that. After my first performance in that, that's when I learned uh, the 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 importance of double or triple stitching crotch seams in pants. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay,
1: that sounds like an interesting story.
3: Zero um, has an input on
4: this one. I've only made the one costume. It was for uh, my minion thing for the Clang Addict show we just did, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much just a shredded T shirt and wrap pants. It was easy to make, but I was freezing for two days. February <laughs> 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 <That jewelry> sucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, uh, so getting into the the Clang addicts a bit. Um, now, let me think. Ron said you guys have done two shows. Uh.
0: Yeah, technically. We, we started out as the fight troupe for the Jersey Renaissance Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Wicked Fair show that we did was the first independent thing we did.
1: Okay, okay. So, uh, now it sounds like a lot of research went into doing these original characters. Um, how did you approach each of your costumes?
0: Uh, again, my... my co- my costume was from the German Landsknecht, which is my, my favorite uh, portion of history. Uh, I'm, as you can tell by my name, probably I'm German. Uh, so I, I like that particular part of the Renaissance and that particular style. Uh, and I've also just started studying the traditional German sword fighting techniques. <clears throat> I was discussing that with Ron, and Ron's like, okay, I want to see you as this. I'm like, okay, that's where I was going with it anyway. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. That works. Uh,
4: yeah. Mine actually just started off as a joke. I was supposed to just pick up the weapons so the um, audience couldn't touch them or make sure the the fighters didn't get too close to decapitating anybody. And I was just like, do you want me to throw a costume together? And he went, yeah, all right. So I gave him an idea. He's like, that's perfect. And it just rolled from... Me being the guy that grabs the, um, the weapons to, Hey minion, get me that. And that accidentally worked into the show.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
3: And I wasn't, I wasn't part of the show, but I, you know, I was there and I, I, I walked around. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I, I had a very small part in the show. I walked minion out on a leash um, at <laughs> the beginning of the show. We put a dog collar on him and a retractable leash. Wow. So I was minion. I was minion's handler. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it was kind of an excuse for me to venture away from the Renaissance fair stuff a little bit into more of the Victorian.
1: Sure. Because mm-hmm.
3: um, I really want to expand my business into some some more detailed things instead of just your average, you know, bar wench kind of costumes. Mm-hmm. More of uh, more royalty and, and just more high quality stuff.
1: Um, you know, as a side note, what what range of of history do you generally work in? Whether you're you're making or wearing a costume.
0: Um, mm-hmm. myself, I've done mostly Renaissance, right? But uh, because of the Halloween shows that I used to do, I've done everywhere from Renaissance to. Medieval times to Nazi Germany for the one werewolf show we did. It was weird. Um, uh, Revolutionary War. Um, Yeah, I've jumped all over the place, but predominantly medieval and Renaissance. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I've done almost exclusively Renaissance. um, But I, you know, I've did this one Victorian costume. Um, my next costume is going to be slightly Victorian-based, and um, I've done some Civil War era as well. Um, I've made that one Two-Face
4: thing before, a kilt, and now I'm working on a, an Old West like, cowboy-ish kind of thing for the steam pump shit thing. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> And as, That's all I've ever done. <laughs> I take it the uh, the predominant preferences for uh, medieval and renaissance. Yeah.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you feel like. I guess I'm always kind of curious. Is this. Do you feel influenced by the fact that you've been in Renfair for so long? Or w- did you naturally have this inclination even before Renfair was a major part of your life? Uh.
0: Again, I I was into the the special effects makeup, mm-hmm. uh, but even even then, growing up as a, as a boy going, I'm doing makeup. I for some reason I thought sewing was a girl's thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it wasn't until I uh, discovered Renfair and then just like I said, discovered the the price tags of the garb that I figured I needed to learn how to use a sewing machine. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't allowed to learn how to sew. Um,
4: in my my house, it was a girls' thing, and my grandmother and my aunt did all the sewing. I needed done, and I was supposed to mow the lawn and shut up and watch TV. Right. So, I didn't even start learn really learning anything at all. My aunt showed me a few things, and that's just so I didn't piss off my future wife, wife uh-huh. or girlfriend, uh-huh. and it was actually teach me how to use a sewing machine now. And mm-hmm. this is going to forty years, so <laughs>
1: nice.
3: I forced my parents to buy me the sewing machine. I was ten years old. I still have it. I still use it, and I, I love it. It's it's old, and I probably need a new one, but it's my baby, and I I don't know if I'll ever be able to get rid of it because you know it's been with me for so long. But um, other uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: Do you, um now when you guys put together a costume uh, and obviously in particular with the the Clang Attic show it sounds like those were very generally speaking well defined characters that were sort of emerged between uh, what was being written and the actors I'm sorry go on Oh no,
0: no nothing sorry
1: Oh, okay. Um, So I guess my question is, when putting together costumes, do you spend a lot of time inventing said character that you're putting this together for, or are you really just saying, hey, that's a neat style, I just want to challenge myself and see if I can do this particular style, and you're not thinking so much as the character, but more of the technical challenge of putting the costume together?
3: I haven't gotten to be part of any of the shows yet, but I do love character development, so... I would probably spend a little bit of time developing the character before designing the costume. Mm-hmm. But so far, being that I haven't actually had an acting part yet in any of the Clang Attic shows, it's more of, well, I just want to challenge myself to do something different that I don't do every day with you know my, my business. So it's kind of nice to step outside of my regular stuff and make something for me for a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me...
0: This, this particular show is the first time where I was kind of in charge of character development most of the time that I've had a character it was handed to me um, so it's usually I, I see the script I get told what type of character I am and then I work on the costume or shop for the costume uh, depending but yeah, this is the first year that I I got to have any say in the character, and, but I already had the idea for the costume that I was making, so <laughs> that wasn't really big of, that big of a factor.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: hmm I used to do um, a lot of
4: uh, live-action role-playing games, so I used to make characters for that. Mm-hmm. I've never, um, aside from this Dominion thing, which like I said was an accident, I've, I haven't had a chance to really do any major performing. I, I worked at a bar for at the Ren fair, so. so
3: you also had your, your agent?
4: Oh uh, yes, for the one cat one character in the show that was an actor, I was his agent had to walk around and promote him for the half the day.
3: <laughs> it really wasn't even a big. Character, but we made it into such a... We made such a backstory behind it. So, here was definitely into the character development. I
4: that's my absolute favorite part of it. If other people can make my costumes, I will literally wear whatever they hand me. I shouldn't have said that. But... (laughs) I I just enjoy the... The not being me part of it.
1: So, I guess the question uh, then spirals into when wearing a costume, do you embrace performing as said character or are you just more taking, Hey, I'm just showing off this awesome costume. I'm like a uh, human mannequin.
3: I've never really been into the whole acting thing. So for me, it's kind of like, Hey, look what I made. This is awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's again, little column A, a little column B. Mm-hmm. I like to show off, but I also like, you know, I'm a ham. I like to perform. I like to entertain people. Mm hmm. I'm with Mike. I just I just like looking like a goof,
4: so <laughs> I, I like to have fun.
1: <laughs> so uh I'm well aware of this just doing the convention circuit and I imagine it must be doubly so for you guys, but the importance of comfortable footwear.
3: Oh, oh boy. First night at uh Wicked this year I wore six inch platform boots for eight hours.
0: Yeah, at least. Yeah. That
3: was the first night we were there. The rest of that weekend was not so fun. Ouch. I don't, yeah, that's, that's right. Yes, ouch.
0: Yes. You bring up comfortable footwear, and before you brought up cheating, here is where you cheat historically. Uh-huh. I thought, I'm going to be a snob. I'm going to wear historically accurate footwear.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: No, never, never again. I don't know how these guys walked everywhere in their life wearing these
1: uncomfortable things on their feet. <laughs> what, do you mind me asking, what is accurate historical footwear?
0: Uh, all leather soles cut in a specific way. Like, if you look at uh, any of the pictures of the, the German mercenaries from back then, they wear these shoes that look like wide-toed Mary Janes. mm Um, I'm like, all right, they look ridiculous, but I'm going to wear them because it's what they wore. And I'm walking around this convention going, I I want someone to shoot me. These (laughs) shooting suck. (laughs) Um, Uh huh. Yeah. By by the end of the weekend, my, my feet were blistered. I was in tears. It it was horrible.
3: But we looked good. Zero was lucky. He got to be barefoot the whole time. The whole time,
1: barefoot.
4: I would screw this. I'm not getting shoes to pick up weapons and done.
1: That works too. Yeah,
4: I keep her cold. But excuse me.
1: I just said that works too. I uh, I find when I'm doing uh, uh whatever superhero boots or whatnot, uh, no matter how nicely made the boot is, I'm always having to stick Doctor Shoals and you know extra spongy uh, you know different insoles. Yeah, they in don't there. work
3: in six-inch uh, heels.
1: <laughs> no, that that's true. I have Star Trek boots with a Cuban heel, and I find uh, nothing helps me on that. I just have to tolerate the pain. Yeah. yeah.
4: Even when I tended bar, whenever I can get away with it, I was barefoot behind the bar. Yeah. It is. It's better than having fungus grow out of my shoes. I can wash my
5: feet. Fair enough.
1: Very uh, okay. Um, so, you know, uh, in the, in the world of, uh, like when we do superheroes or, or Doctor Who costuming, um uh, there are people that will go on about accuracy, what I call the costume Nazis. Now in Ren Faire, are there costume Nazis there? Like people who are yes. snobs about quality or, oh, your, your piece is not that historically accurate.
0: Yeah. There's, I, sometimes I fall into that category myself.
3: I mean, uh, yes, he is. He's a costume Nazi. Okay. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm really big on the history aspect. Uh, I I really want to scream when I see uh, duct tape and, and sneakers with garb.
3: <laughs> and I know pe- the people who think they're costume Nazis but really don't know anything. They just go to rent fairs and <laughs> think that oh this looks really cool so it must be accurate.
4: costume. Oh. <laughs> Nazis are also the people walking around wearing Ray-Bans and checking their cell phones. So also, yes. They really can't say anything. <laughs> they do.
1: <laughs> Bit of a double standard going on, right? Oh,
4: yeah. As yeah, long as they, they look it. all right, it's all right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you just said that, you know, for comfortable feet, you've got to do a cheat Sorry. there. So where do you draw the line?
3: Yeah. Uh, that- you buy a nice pair of Son of Sandler boots and live with it
1: <laughs> yeah i miss my boots
0: as long as you're not wearing combat boots or sneakers like if you if you make an attempt at wearing a shoe that's looks old timey with the e at the end
3: yeah like an old crappy <laughs> sandal or something would be better than a pair of converse with tall socks
1: mm-hmm. interesting uh, so people will i, I mean Wait, you're saying that someone will wear a costume that can look pretty darn good from the ankles up, but they'll wear Converse's on the bottom. Yeah,
0: yeah, that we see that daily at fair. Converse. If you're lucky,
4: sometimes <laughs> like Reebok running shoes, and like, that you can see from 20 feet away <laughs> some New
0: Balance white sneakers. Yeah, we, we've we've seen some horror shows at fair. <laughs>
1: Wow. I mean, I understand fudging footwear. You know, I I get it. But to <laughs> yeah. not even have it have a general read from a distance is kind of odd.
0: Oh, we we've seen people duct tape over their boots and say that there was armor. Yep.
4: Oh, uh, I like the um when they t- take the burlap and tie it over top. Oh yeah.
0: That's that's <laughs> always a a winner.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Um well, or uh, okay. I was trying to think of ways around it, but I can't. No, you're right.
0: Yeah, footwear is the it's it's one of the hardest things to find. So it, there's a lot of forgiveness with that, but yeah, just try not to wear sneakers.
1: <laughs> now it seems. I'm sorry. Go on.
3: I said, please try not to wear sneakers.
1: <laughs> yes. Um. It seems to me that uh, a lot of run fair takes place in at least here in California. It's always in fairly hot temperatures. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of physical activity involved with these shows, especially the combat. Uh, yet, a number of these costumes seem to have a lot of layers. What do you do about the heat? Yes.
3: Deal with it.
0: Yeah, drink a lot of water. Uh, go backstage and t- uh, take off layers as often as possible. And uh, back to the real fab, real fabric versus polyester. Um, if you're wearing polyester, you're going to hate life. Uh, wool... Believe it or not, does breathe quite well. Mm-hmm. Wool and linen both.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, cotton breathes pretty, pre, uh, breathes pretty well. But I prefer to wear the the linen and wool because I I just find it more comfortable. It does b- breathe better. I it doesn't retain the sweat like cotton does. Mm-hmm.
3: The natural fabrics definitely help, but for the most part it's uh well I want to look good so I'm gonna to have to deal with this.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Just drink a lot of water, drink a lot of Gatorade, and try not to pass out.
4: I'm usually drunk, so it doesn't
5: matter.
1: There's there's a thing they do at uh the fair here where um if you uh if you're really hot and you don't mind getting wet, they'll actually dunk you with cold water at the well. Do they do that there too?
0: No, we don't have a well. Oh. We
3: have a little misting.
1: Yeah, we used to have a misting station, but they put something a
0: shop there or something.
4: <laughs> they weren't making enough money
1: off it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm like I never I'm never sure what transfers over. Um so uh, it must I mean for the show, it sounds like quite a lot of effort went into the combat. Um now what do you, what are your concerns when you're at least in the scene, you're going to do the combat end per se of what you're going to wear to make sure not only for movement, but uh, possible protection.
0: Uh, well, as far as protection goes, we don't normally wear much more than elbow knee pads and maybe a cup. Um, because our, our fights are choreographed and we drill accuracy um, and precision so much that where it looks like if person A doesn't block person B is going to hit them it's, we're not going to mm-hmm. uh, so we, wearing armor is basically a, choi- a character choice um, we, we don't really do much as far in the in way of fight specific stuff mm-hmm. for our costume. Just you know, try to wear something that you can move in comfortably, and we we'll, we'll go from there.
1: <laughs> We'd have to. I be-
0: haven't picked up oh. the
3: sword yet, so I have no input on that.
4: Okay. I've done no stage combat myself.
1: Well, I would imagine you're also trying to be aware of wearing something that um, uh, wouldn't snag. True. Um,
0: or if it if it would snag just be like try to move and wait in different ways it, it we put a lot of practice into our fighting so mm-hmm. it's we try to encompass every aspect of what could go wrong and try to write the fights so those things don't go wrong
4: mm-hmm. i know mike had to change his fight a little bit in the, in the one battle sure. plus, his sleeve was getting caught on the the dagger when he moved it out. Mm-hmm. So like when he actually fought in the costume, he realized that it was off a little bit. So they had to altered it in the beginning slightly.
1: Hmm. The they altered the costume.
0: Now, no, the, uh, uh, the, the fight. fight.
1: Oh, I see. I see.
0: Yeah, I was supposed to. I was an I was armed going up in, against an unarmed opponent, mm-hmm. and he was supposed to take one of the weapons from my belt but unfortunately we wrote that before the costume was finished ah. so I was wearing the costume we realized no that's not gonna work cause that's gonna snag on the sleeve every single time mm-hmm. I'm gonna hand you the sword
1: <laughs> right right and uh, okay no that makes sense mm. so in the middle of these fights do you how should I put this um Does the weight of the costume ever become an issue either, or is this another thing that you just don't think about until it becomes an issue? Uh,
0: well, when you're wearing armor, yeah, it does. Mm. Um, costuming itself, it, I've seen some of the guys wearing like padded padded armor or wearing outfits that are made of polyester, and yeah, the heat gets to you. Um, Generally, want to try to, to to drink, but for the most part, the costume itself. Once you're in the moment, you don't really notice it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Unless it's armor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you when you say armor, do you mean like literal, you know, King Arthur knight armor, or do you mean like chainmail? Uh,
0: anything from leather armor, chainmail. Uh, last year at the Jersey Ren Fair, I, I had a full kit of plate armor that I wore. Uh, on the two hottest weekends of the year in June. Hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, again, the armor, it's a character choice. Uh, not everybody has has to have their own armor. You can if you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first year I wore armor all day, and I kind of wish I hadn't worn it all day.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, I can imagine. What would you but say... It, it- I'm sorry, go on. Sorry.
0: No, go ahead. It was actually easier and quicker to just leave it on than to uh, take it off during the day.
1: And not not have the comfortability? Really?
0: Yeah, I would just sit down and dump water on myself and drink a lot of water.
1: (laughs) Well, whatever works. Um, Yeah. I was going to say, are there uh, what you you would consider the more... um, popular go-to costumes at rent like what would you say is the most popular style of, of dress that the men or women wear
0: for men uh, baggy drawstring pants uh, and a baggy shirt with frilly cuffs and collar
3: women tend to do the bar the bar wench kind of costume with a, a boobs spilling everywhere and a uh, basic
1: boring skirt. <laughs> Basic boring skirt, okay.
3: A big, flowy, kind of, just any kind of plain cotton skirt with a, a, a low-cut cleavage bodice. Yeah, with, with all the boob.
1: <laughs> I see. Okay, something something easy, but uh, eye-catching, huh? Is that it?
3: Yeah. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago, uh, every other man you saw was dressed like uh, Captain, Captain Jack Sparrow. That was ridiculous. And a few years before that, everybody you saw was dressed as Mel Gibson from Braveheart. <laughs> but... Come on, I
1: Interesting.
0: But for the most part, it, it's like the basic... Basic.
1: Well, I understand the appeal of Jack Sparrow as a costume, but isn't that kind of wrong for Friend fair?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of wrong things for unfair people don't really care. As long as it makes money, like the
0: fairs won't allow it these days.
1: Ah. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So some of these jacks were there in some kind of official capacity?
0: Some of them were, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's at least one. At least. Wow. Yeah, there there, there was a at the New York Fair there was a I forget what they were calling him. Swallows. There, there was a, a Jack Sparrow clone on cast. And I'm like, are are you guys kidding me? Really? (laughs) But then you got the 30 to 40 of them walking through the gate. (laughs) And every other
4: booth was pirate. Like, when I last worked for the New York Fair, every other booth was pirate themed. And I'm like, what the hell happened to my fair?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm not saying there weren't pirates in that day and age, but they didn't look like that. I mean, (laughs) so Wow, no, that's interesting, but I mean, I get, i okay. I I get it. I just people, yeah.
3: people take their restaurants fairs as an excuse to wear whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You know, there's fairies. There's people dressed as Santa Claus. You know, <laughs> and then, then you have the Star Trek awaitings.
0: Yeah.
5: yeah, I've
1: heard about that. Wow, so that happens. That's cool. Yep.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I've I've heard about. I've I, I saw a guy dressed as Ash once at a uh, run fair, which I thought was kind of amusing. Yeah, um, seen a few of them. And uh, and some guys just dress as like really ornate demons, and I go, okay, well, you know, that's that's cool too. Um, so uh, so yeah, I I get the joke, the sci-fi crossovery joke stuff. It's just when someone just sort of puts on something historical that is way off by at least a couple hundred years. I always kind of I just kind of cock my head at that, like, all right, well, you know, at the end of the day, I guess they're just going with the pageantry, but yeah, yeah. hmm but uh yeah, what are you going to do? Um mm-hmm. I guess it's better than showing up in just your regular. Well, I mean, obviously there's attendees that just wear their civvies, but you know, it's better than uh showing up in something uh, way off that's, you know, barely it's much more modern than it is historical, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so Sorry, I'm going over my list of questions here. Um <laughs> well okay Uh, I I don't know if this really applies to you guys much but uh, cosplay or costuming do you feel there's a difference in the terminology
3: Uh, yes you do okay I think cosplay is more you're you're looking at something that really didn't exist at any point in time it's a character or you're you're trying to recreate the way one particular character looked and acted um, and I feel costuming is more, I mean, it can be a lot of different things, but at least for me, it's more research, more historic, more meaningful. You know, for for cosplay, you can do everything with a straight stitch and, you know, just slap something together as long as it looks good. But for costuming, if you're trying to make it um, accurate, then there's a lot more behind it. Mm-hmm. I think Mike disagrees
0: with me though. No, I, I I
3: I
4: do a little. <laughs> Cuz a lot of the cosplayers, well, if they go into especially the superhero ones and all that, they go into massive detail over.
3: I'm not their- saying that cosplayers don't go into detail. I just think it's a whole different kind of detail. It's a detail on look, not on accuracy.
1: Um, Uh, I don't know I know a lot I mean it depends on what you're defining as accuracy I guess yeah you know
0: you're you're basically talking screen accuracy to page accuracy Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. historical accuracy exactly yeah I, I don't I I've never really gotten into the whole cosplay aspect so I don't really know what kind of a distinction there would be I mean, I guess, technically, for steampunk World Fair, I'm doing a, kind of a steampunk Han solo thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So wow. I don't know if that's... Wow, uh, what's that? That's a phone that should, <laughs> okay. should have been silenced.
4: <laughs> Someone told me to silence it, nor does anyone usually text me.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, I'm doing kind of a steampunk Han solo, so I guess in some ways that would be considered cosplay. Mm-hmm but yeah I've never really gotten into it so I don't truly know what kind of a distinction there could be
1: well I mean even just from perception it's just you know some people don't see a difference and other people do especially people who have been at this more than say 5 to 10 years I've noticed really see a delineation uh, as opposed to people who got into the hobby more recently for me I, I, I
0: look at cosplay as like hardcore costuming Mm-hmm. And I look at, you know, Alicia and I making Ren Fair costumes as much, this much. And the yes, the hit research we put into it also is hardcore costuming, mm-hmm. more so than like a weekend warrior that throws together a pair of, you know, uh, drawstring pants and a, a poofy shirt and calls it a day.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I get that. Now, when you're putting together costumes, uh, I know that, say, you know, in uh, another parallel with, um, you know, cosplaying, costuming, uh, I'll sometimes uh, be a part of or heading up, like, uh, as you say, doing a specific run of fabric to match something that was seen on screen, whether this is specially printed or, or woven or whatnot. Now, in Renfair, is there anything like this? I mean, I understand that a lot of these are, are simple fabrics like linen or wool, as you say. But is there ever a time where you guys are going out of your way to find very ornate, historical-looking fabrics or a, a particular fabric you're trying to replicate from a book?
0: Uh, actually, yeah, there is this one outfit that I want to be make. I want to make,
5: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm just trying to find. Some kind of a brocade or damask or something that has looks period and i'm just not coming close Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) yeah because i mean the the size of the pattern repeat has a lot to do with historical accuracy as well as obviously they didn't print on you know there weren't prints Mm -hmm. it was woven into the fabric so Mm -hmm. trying to get that right can Sometimes be a pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're—I mean—we're always looking online. We're always looking for new fabric stores, um, you know, thrift—you st- know, thrift stores. Looking around, looking at coats, going, "Hey, I can rip that apart and make something out of it."
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I've made a barbarian costume out of antique uh, fur coats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 I love it. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a uh, favorite fabric stores that you like to go to, or online or in person?
3: Uh. I miss. I lived in Rhode Island for five years, and there's um, everyone in Rhode Island that sews so knows this place. It's called Lorraine Fabrics, mm-hmm. and I actually worked there for a few years, and it's it's amazing. I mean, it's got all the basics stuff you need. Um, you know, all the satins and silks and linings and whatnot, huge home decorating section, which could very easily be translated into costuming. Mm-hmm. And then a whole floor of fabric for $1.99 a yard. Could be, could be cheap cotton, could be a $50 yard fabric that had a damage in it. Um, doesn't matter what it was, it'll be $2 a yard. Yeah. So I, I need to get back there, it's been so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: And there's uh, Osgoods in... Uh, Osgoods
3: is really nice as well.
0: Maryland. No, wait. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Mm. But uh, around here, there's a place called uh, Fabric Warehouse. It's another remnant store. Uh, they have pretty good pricing and sales all the time. Uh, and then if you go into like s- some areas that have like high indian population you can find silks and satins for like dirt cheap really good stuff really Mm -hmm. good deals Mm -hmm. it's basically just search around and look and look and look if you happen to spot something look at it (laughs)
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I, I recommend that. But I know that some people are, um they don't live in areas with a lot to offer in terms of costumes, so uh, I like to try to always have an idea of what else is out there. And, and obviously, if there's any online options or if any of these places have an online presence, then, you know, to guide people to them. I know Fabric Warehouse has a has a website.
3: Fabric Warehouse does, and Osgoods Osgood definitely does. Uh, I know the range does not. Um...
1: I know half the problem with the fabric store, too, is no matter how how great they are, they only have so much listed online, or they don't offer a swatch service, so it'll only take Uh, you so far, right? Mm -hmm.
0: And unfortunately, with remnant stores, uh, you can find some of the perfect fabric, but then you'll never find it there again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so you might get by for one costume, but if you ever have to make it again, God help you. Right. Mm Mm-hmm yep been there too Um, so (laughs) Uh, sorry too many too many uh, fabric hunts are haunting me right now Um, so uh, what do you feel is the most important thing you've learned doing this and it could be a technique it could be a philosophy for life could be any of the above
3: walk away Sometimes you just have to walk away from it. Good. (laughs) Because you know you might be really frustrated by something, and you know it's driving you crazy, and you want to get it done, and you're going to cause more damage just by trying to get it right. Walk away. Go watch an episode of your TV show. Go have a cigarette. Go have dinner. Do something. But get away from it for a few minutes. Otherwise, you're going to destroy something.
0: Yeah, that that's pretty much what I learned too. (laughs) I can't,
1: so, <laughs> Well, as I said, it doesn't have to be a technique. It could just be a philosophy. It could be a, a viewpoint. I'm, I'm going to stick with hers. I'm going to cheat. <laughs> I learned
4: a bitch enough. Somebody will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: if you're
1: lucky. I think my friend Vicky calls them Sherpas, people who do something for you. Um, uh, so what costume projects are you all working on at the moment?
3: All three of us are working on our next costume for the Steampunk World Fair. Mike mm-hmm. um, Mike already said, he's doing the Han Solo.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm doing a Victorian-esque kind of corset that I'm gonna... I'm not doing the traditional throw, throw some gears on it and call it a Steampunk. I'm doing more of a taking old sewing implements. Um, like old bobbins and and just old maybe some hinges and buckles and stuff, and making them you know put some patina on them and just it's it's gonna be an interesting one' yeah it's gonna be uh blue purple and green and all these different colors and um, it's definitely gonna be uh, unique
4: mm-hmm. mine's the old west one I mentioned earlier but It's pretty much going to be basic.
0: Yeah, but you're taking all the toy guns and
4: I'm going to try to steampunk some toy guns. I've never done it before, but I'm going to give it a shot. See if I can do it.
1: Fun with props. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Is there any? I'm sorry. Go on.
4: I'm hoping so.
1: I, sometimes just taking, like, you know, kit-bashing model kits and, and taking toys and just, you know, figuring different ways to put them together and paint them, I think is half the fun of this hobby. It's very, uh, you know, it's very arts and crafts, but I, I dig it. Um, So are there any dream projects you eventually want to do down the road that's been nagging at you? I can't say I have one
3: in particular in mind, but I definitely want to do... Some really, you know, ornate, um, you know, Elizabethan, you know, royalty costumes in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't know.
0: It's, I just. I don't have any dream outfit. I don't think,
1: <laughs> or something that's been on your back burner for. It seems to me most people don't always have a couple of back burner projects that they're like, oh yeah, that one, and.
0: Uh... Well, for me, I'm just I'm actually getting into, I'm taking the stuff off the back burner now. The Lanskinet Barb that, mm-hmm. um, I stopped So I stopped making costumes for a bunch of years uh, due to like not having the room where I was living or having the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm actually just dusting off this sewing machine now, getting back into it. So I guess any of any of the garb that I'm currently making or going to be making very soon is is all stuff that was on my back burner, that's been my dream stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the, the the old German puff and slash, and very showy, colorful type stuff. Flamboyant. Very flamboyant, yes. Flamboyant,
1: mm-hmm. uh, When it comes to props, do you guys make a lot of that too, or do you just know where to correctly source this stuff?
3: I think we like to make our own stuff. Yeah. we're All three of us are very crafty people, um, and you know, we live together, so we, it's very easy for us to... Walk around Walmart looking to get some paper towels to bring home and then accidentally fall into the toy department, <laughs> come home, $60 worth of Nerf guns,
0: And then the plumbing and hardware department. And-
3: yeah, plumbing, hardware. Then you got to stop at Michael's to get paint on the way home and <laughs> it turns into much more than you expected your day to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yep, 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 or the plumbing section. Yeah, exactly. So, but when it comes to something very specific like a sword, like you probably have to source that, don't you?
0: Right. The swords we we buy. Mm -hmm. um, So, yeah, we we have a lot. I, my sword collection here is getting a little out of hand. A little bit. But uh. Yeah, most most people aren't fortunate enough to know how to smith their own
1: weapons <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's what I figured <laughs> yeah.
4: we know a guy Four, okay. yeah, we, we know a few but one guy that I know it's I don't have like two grand to have his smallest blade
0: yeah mm-hmm. so uh in, in for the Renaissance fair aspect yeah weapons have to be sourced for for the cons the other stuff I'm taking a toy, like a little plastic Mauser airsoft gun, and modifying it into a, a Han Solo blaster with gears and valves, and it's going to shoot smoke in a laser beam,
1: so yeah. Wow, all right, pretty involved, um, yep. but, but when you're putting together something, say historical, and let's put aside the swords for a minute, uh, do you believe in... Okay. Distressing the item to give it look as if it's been used.
3: I have, but it hurts me.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've done that.
0: Uh, Matter of fact, the one Halloween show I did where I had to make this uh, Revolutionary War outfit from scratch and then distress that. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Um. Because that that was a very difficult outfit to make. Um, she mentioned the, the back pleating on the frock coats. Oh dear God, that costume was a headache. And then having and the to fall front breeches to tear it and dirty it and bloody it.
5: <laughs> mm. I,
3: don't, I, don't know. I had I had friends. I made a, one of the pirate coats once for some friends of mine who were going to use it for a Halloween show and they actually took it to a gun range and shot a bunch of bird shot into it mm-hmm. and then brought it back to me after they did the bird shot took took an axe to it in a few spots and said fix it after I had just made it, <laughs> it it's kind of painful but it needs to be done sometimes
1: mm. well as long as the final look is awesome right
3: right right yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, props
0: wise, yeah, I've had to, to age or distress or break props.
1: <laughs> or even like take an old book and weather it or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: what is it? Uh, my friend likes to, uh, literally drag things in dirt and, uh, tea, tea dye certain things and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Yep, uh huh. Or just or take a, a bunch of sandpaper to leather, all that kind of fun stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's uh, it's one of those things where you want it to be nice, but yet you want it to also look cool and as it does, uh as if right, you're you're really living the part, so it's got to look lived in. Um, or if it appeared that way on screen and you're doing a screen character and so forth. Um, all right. Is there anything else you want me to ask about in particular with the Clang addicts? I feel like. Um since I wasn't there, I'm I'm kind of groping a little in the dark on this. It sounds like a really awesome project, but I'm not really sure the the right areas to ask here.
0: Well, uh I don't know what Ron's already told you. It was a fight show that we did for a quasi Renaissance festival that also had like a a cosplay time travel aspect thrown in So our show was fighters taken from different points in time and space and reality. Hmm. So yeah, we had the Renaissance. We had uh, an ancient Roman gladiator. We had the minion here. We had some, this one guy was a cyber cop. We had a space pirate.
5: Wow.
0: (laughs) Uh, Space captain. Yeah. So we we, we we covered a lot of bases with this show. So the costume was pretty fun, just coming up with different things for everybody, and then uh, different fighting styles for everybody too, which was a new thing for a lot of us. Because mm-hmm. doing the Renaissance festival, you've got short sword, your long sword, your broadsword, and okay, you're done. That's all your that's your ranged weapons. But for this, we ha- we're using baseball bats and a lot of hand to hand stuff. Mm-hmm. So um yeah this this was definitely a fun project and very new to all of us coming up with uh thinking outside of the box that we're used to being in for the, the different costumes and fights well, two of the characters actually
4: changed their fight 10 minutes before the show but they were practicing in um, in our hotel room they're like oh what if i did this instead of this and they completely changed the center of their fight. Yeah, and like no offense to anyone else in it, theirs theirs was the absolute best fight of the day.
0: Yeah, they they had a hand to hand fight and decided to watch a couple YouTube videos uh, and basically learned martial arts that way for the show. <laughs> we're all a little bit jealous of these two kids. Yeah,
4: they're insane. <laughs> like, they're doing like full flips out of nowhere, and you're like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs>
1: Uh, this sounds cool though that, as you say with the mishmash it must have been interesting to kind of think of how are these two characters from different eras going to fight with two totally exactly. different weapons mm-hmm.
0: yeah it, it had a very video game type feel to it sure you know? yeah.
1: I was thinking time bandits myself but yeah I could I could see that too mm-hmm. um and uh, and the characters all. I mean, was there any costume changes involved for anybody, or was it just sticking to your one character and the one look?
0: Uh, everybody stuck to one character for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, except for Jiro here. Yeah. During the day, walking around the event, uh, he was with one of those kids we just mentioned. This guy Chris Abbott, who his character was, I'm Chris Abbott, actor, Uh kind of doing a Johnny Cage type thing, like. Right. I said video game feel. So he's the actor that got pulled into this fight scenario. So Jero uh, dressed up in the suit, a horrible suit. It was awful. Uh, with the slicked back hair and the, the awful cheap gaudy sunglasses. But every single pocket in his suit, he had you know breath mints, combs, mirrors, all yeah. sorts of stuff he would just pull out and hand to Chris Abbott. <laughs> and I still
4: have about a thousand cards with his picture on it saying the time and date of the show.
1: Nice. <laughs> we, had,
4: we would autograph them and hand them to the people and walk away. Nice. <laughs> I think we'd line of both hotels, like just in random spots. They
0: were everywhere. So yeah, we, we had a lot of fun with the show. Um, it was, like I said, definitely a new experience for a lot of us. Uh, <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Especially considering that some of the people that are in our fight troop, the, the Jersey Ren Fair last June was our their first show.
1: Mm. Oh gosh.
0: <laughs> they in. Yeah. Like we we definitely lucked out as a as an acting and fighting troupe. We got some good people in involved. hmm Definitely.
1: Was this sort of a natural uh, occurrence or merging of minds, or did did Ron basically wrangle all of you guys together?
0: Uh, a few, a few of us, uh, I started doing Ren Fair about a year before Ron did. (laughs) Okay. Uh, but some of us have been doing fair for years and years and years. Uh, and Ron got the gig as the fight director for last year and he, he auditioned us. We got together. We had a really great time practicing for the Ren Fair, um, Because, like I said, some of us it was their first time performing, for their first time doing stage combat. So Ron worked with everybody. We're all learning our our comfort zones, and we just found out that practicing together we had just so much fun. Mm -hmm. So we agreed that after Ren Fair was over, whether we did it again or not, we'd still stay together as a group and practice the stage combat. And if we get other shows in the future, we get them. Great, and we got approached by the wicked fair for the game grid so that's when we decided okay we're going to we're going to do the show see where we go from there
1: <laughs> how long did it take you to prep the show
0: uh, for the, the the wicked fair show we pulled it together in two and a half almost 3 months um, yeah. unfortunately we our time was cut short because of the hurricane last year. And ah, hmm. cut off like two months from the beginning of what we had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that, that that was definitely a setback. But we you know, as as much as we had to cram, we did pull off a pretty darn good show in in that, in that two and a half, three months. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a, a great show. I, I assume. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, Ron said it had been taped, and it should eventually go up at a uh, certain point.
0: Yeah, our cinematographer unfortunately is also in college and is up to his eyeballs in homework. Yeah. So the 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 video is going to be uh, waiting a little bit. Unfortunately, said he's going to try to work on it during spring break.
1: I can understand that, uh, but uh, no, that's cool. Yeah, I, uh, from everything he described, and then from what you guys are saying, it sounds like a really awesome show. And uh, you know, it's one of those things where we live in a day and age where it's great to do the live stuff. It's great to have that feedback. Um, but on the other hand, it's like we're in the age of YouTube, and you know, you want to get it out to a wider mass. Um. So, uh, you know, uh, the the last thing I, I like to ask is, um, do you have any tips? <laughs> for beginners?
0: Tips for beginners. Uh, you're going to screw it up, start it over. <laughs> um, you know, nobody, nobody's perfect with their costuming and when you mess up or you stitch the wrong things together or forget, don't realize that your bobbin isn't threaded, mm-hmm. don't let it dissuade you. Just take the break that Alicia told you to take before and then start it over. Uh, the actual sewing part itself can be very not fun, but having the outfit to wear afterwards—that's the fun part, mm-hmm. in my opinion.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm still a beginner, so I'm I'm completely frustrated.
3: <laughs>
5: that's all I got to say. <laughs>
3: um, like I said before, definitely walking away is something you need to learn how to do you know even if you need to put it aside for a day or two um otherwise just keep going i mean it's gonna sewing the the action of sewing is really easy it's the pinning and the cutting and the laying out, is that's the hard part. And the measuring. And the measuring and the measuring and the... It's all measuring and then all the seam ripping you're going to have to inevitably do. <laughs> but just once, just keep thinking of that final project you're going to have. And once you have that final piece that's done and it's perfect, you're going to be proud of it and you're going to want to start again. Even though you cried for two months, it's going to be worth it in the end
1: is there a part of the process that you know you muscle through it but it's like your least favorite part of the process like for me it's it's having to, to match um, dyeing uh, fabrics to something
0: uh, die lots yes. yeah I think dye lots is a pain uh, for me it's the, the measuring and the, the, the drafting is the pain drafting
3: mm-hmm. I hate drafting I can do it I wish I couldn't
4: <laughs> I don't like any of it
3: <laughs> He's still learning. We're we're still molding him into our little sewing minion.
0: Okay. He likes Us being an idea guy. Yeah. Uh, I'll
4: give the I'll give the ideas. You guys do them. <laughs> Manage. <laughs> uh,
1: and I mean, I know this is somewhat covered before, but because you deal with uh, historical uh, costuming, um, do you find it's difficult to find the uh the original patterns of which you're trying to do or are you just trying to sort of eyeball it so to speak
3: there are a lot of places that sell historical patterns online Mm -hmm. they're usually very expensive but usually worth it some of the um directions are usually terrible Mm -hmm. and if you don't know what you're doing you're not going to be able to figure it out um but it depends on the brand of the pattern. Some of them are just written really poorly. Others are written much better.
0: And again, uh, as far as the historical accuracy of even those, unless they're based off an existing garment, in a lot of cases, it's guesswork and conjecture even on their part. It's just basically you're, you're paying the price for someone else to have drafted the pattern for you. Um, (laughs)
1: <laughs> no no that makes that makes sense because as you just said right if they don't have a piece in front of them if no one could have properly deconstructed it then you're doing what you just said you're trying to guess based on what they know of the time period and the what photographic evidence they have
3: a lot of times they can't deconstruct the piece because it is you know in a museum or something and they'll let them look at it and they can take measurements but they're gonna you're, you're crazy if you think you're gonna rip this apart <laughs> Right. Uh, it's like, all right, what's what this looks like? And this is the technique of this time, so we're going to put it all together.
1: Right, right. I mean, and I assume it depends on the fragility of the item, too, if they can even, say, turn it inside out to look at some of the seams, right? Right, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, But I imagine the further up you go, like if you go into the Civil War, that's got to be a much easier thing to approach. Yes, because there's much more...
0: Surviving garments from that period.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly, and there there must be better uh, or more plentiful patterns out there as well. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, I think I've asked what I was going to ask. Is there any other points that you want to mention or cover? No,
0: I think we got everything.
1: okay Um, so uh, for listeners out there uh, do you have anything you want to plug is there anything online that you want to discuss Uh, where to be where to be found where are you in the the cyberspace
3: renrags.sc.com that's me awesome (laughs) plugging myself shamelessly right now
0: (laughs) please do Uh, my stuff that I want to sell isn't ready to be plugged yet unfortunately (laughs) I The Facebook page for for, for Lorena Halfa. You're, I'm gonna have to spell that out for you on the chat here because uh, it's V E R L O R E N E H A U F E. Okay. That's that's on Facebook. It's a it's a fan page. It's the name of my garb company that's that I'm in the process of trying to get started. Uh,
1: There's some pictures of my stuff. Great. I I will happily post these links. And that's where we lose the signal for this episode. And also, sadly, where this interview concludes with part of the Clang Addicts. So, a big thanks again to Ron, Mike, Alicia, and Jiro for the fascinating interview about stage combat. And historical costuming. I hope you all learned something. I know I certainly did. If you want to learn more about the Clang Addicts or uh, check out any of the links they recommended, please go to www.costumestationzero.com and check it out. Actually, if you have any other ideas, suggestions, or just want to, you know, talk shop, uh, drop me a comment, drop me an email. I'll be happy to answer. now we are counting down to the final interviews of 2013. We have two to go and they'll be up very soon. So this is Bob Mitch. Signing off for Costume Station Zero.